just about every memorable movie that has ever been made is at least in part memorable because of the ending. Now, there are a lot of factors that, that probably contribute to making memorable endings in movies, but I would say one of them that stands out is when the filmmaker and the actors can pull off an ending that is unexpected, something that is not anticipated, a twist or a turn that nobody saw coming. We just recently experienced this, not in a movie, but, but in real life, as my family and I were in the Grand Canyon with a number of spectacular hikes. And we had just gotten to the, the bottom phase of one of the first hikes. And when we got to the bottom and, and you look around and there's, you, you're kind of surrounded by walls of, of canyon everywhere around you, and, and it all starts to look the same. Well, then we took this offshoot trail, Dripping Springs, and we went on that a little ways and then boom, just totally out of nowhere as if the, the canyon walls split and gave us a spectacular view we saw for miles and miles and miles that the very canyon that we were at split into one canyon after another, after another, after another. And that will always stand out for me in part because we had become so accustomed to the scenery around us and it all started to look the same. And then boom, just like that, we had this unexpected, breathtaking, spectacular view. And every good movie ending is just like that, isn't it? Totally unexpected when we're, we're comfortable going in one direction and we think we know how everything's going to, to end up with a nice tidy bow on it. And then boom, you have this unexpected, spectacular ending. Now, as much as we like that in movies, you'd think, you'd expect that we also like that in, in real life, generally speaking, those twists and those turns. Well, unless we're hiking, that's not often the case. In fact, in life, we, we want to know what's next. We don't really care for the twists and turns. You can keep those, thank you very much. We would like to know what's going to happen next, and then after that, we like to be in control. And so when things are beyond our control or take a turn that was unexpected, then we don't care for that so much, do we? And so as we wrap up, as we conclude our series today, we recognize and acknowledge that sometimes when we struggle to cling to or believe or trust in God's promises, it can be because of the unexpected. It can be because things didn't look the way that we wanted them to look or expected them to look. Kind of like a detour, right? As you are driving along the highway or any road for that matter and you see that detour ahead sign, I don't know of any driver that has ever said, yes, a detour ahead. I'm so excited about getting to take a scenic route to get where I needed to go. No. We want to, to know that to get from A to B is this route. I know the route. I'm familiar with the route. I know exactly how I'm going to get there and when I'm going to arrive. And a detour throws all of that off. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncertain. It's unexpected. And so we don't much care for it at all, do we? A detour seemed to be what the disciples were experiencing on the road to Emmaus. Those two disciples that we meet in the Gospel of Luke were met by Jesus, even though they didn't recognize it at first, and they're recounting for themselves what had happened the last several days, and to them it felt like a detour of what was 
expected. Listen as they recount the events of the days that had happened prior to their meeting this visitor, Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, they explain, as Jesus asked, about what had happened. said about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And, and here is the ultimate irony is that everything was playing out. Everything had played out just as it had been prophesied and even just as Jesus had told his disciples. And here were, here were the disciples, these two on the road to Emmaus, recounting everything that had played out that way, but it wasn't what they had expected the Messiah to be. It wasn't what they had expected. And so they doubted. It felt like a detour. And they started to question and wonder, even though the, the play script had been followed meticulously. Everything was followed to a T, but they were confused. And they drew this conclusion that rather than seeing this as the path of God's promise, he must have passed on his promise. Rather than recounting all of these details and seeing that this was, in fact, God overseeing everything, they figured God had overlooked something significant. So it ought not surprise us to hear the response or rather rebuke that Jesus gives to them after they had recounted all of these details. Jesus then responds in verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They just recounted all of the details that were just as the prophets, as the scriptures had laid out everything. Again, this was not some ad-libbing, getting off of the script or, or taking some liberal uh, approach or take on, on a script and saying, well, let's do it this way or that way. No, it was meticulously carried out just as it was supposed to be. And Jesus says, what, what do you expect? This was what God had foretold. This was God keeping his promise. We'd never, never fall into to that trap. We can't relate to those disciples, can we, at all, as far as things playing out and then questioning God's promises. We'll accept that we do it almost on a daily basis, don't we? When things don't play out in our own lives the way that we expect they should, or even the way that we think God's promises should play out, when it doesn't happen that way, we, we suddenly doubt and we wonder, has God overlooked his promises? Has God forgotten the path to his promises that, that we, we thought he was going to take? But consider your, your own life. Reflect, look back on your own life and see how many times it played out, it was carried out the way that you expected. Did your schooling end up the way that you thought it would? 
did your marriage end up the way that it, you thought it would? Did you, did you court the person and date the same individual and end up marrying her the way that you always thought was going to play out? Are, are you now living where you thought you would always live and, and enjoying the job that you always thought you would in a career that you always thought you would? No, you look back on your life and you see that very rarely do the plans that we have, do they fall into place the way that, that we thought they would? And yet, our altered plans is not the same as concluding that God has altered his promises. Admittedly, it's one thing to look back on life and recognize that, yeah, things haven't always played out, but God has kept his promises. It's one thing to believe that when we're in hindsight, looking in hindsight after the fact. It's, it's admittedly a little more difficult to believe or trust God keeping his promises when we're in the midst of it. When things are currently not the way that, that we expect them to be. God promises to provide, but that's harder to believe that promise when I'm between jobs in a season of being unemployed. God promises peace and unity, but that's a harder promise to believe when we see disunity all around us. God promises that he's never going to leave me, but will always be with me, but that's harder promise to believe when I am feeling abandoned and forgotten by those closest to me. It's when we're in the thick of it that is the most difficult to see God carrying out his promises and to believe it. Now, sometimes, again, that's because God is taking a detour. He's taking a different route than we expected in delivering and making good on his promises. But there's another reason, too. It's not always just a detour. Sometimes it's my disobedience. And what I mean by that is so many of God's promises in Scripture kind of go like this. When you A, I will B. Now let me ask you, is it, is it fair to, to be shocked or surprised that, that God has not seemed to deliver on his B if we haven't A, for example? Well, God says that he promises to you and me peace when we trust in him. Well, I'm not at peace because I'm not placing my trust in him, but in, in other things. God promises that there's going to be uh, a, an absence of bitterness and anger when I forgive. But I'm in the midst of bitterness and anger because I haven't forgiven. So there are often times in our lives when we struggle to see God making good on his promise, but it's because we have robbed him of the opportunity to keep that promise because we haven't done what he has called us to do. So why am I anxious? Well, because I have not cast all my cares and my anxieties on him as he has called me to. So if I rob him of that opportunity to make good on his promise, is that God's fault or mine? The good news is this, that whether it's God choosing to take a detour and still deliver on his promise, or it's my own disobedience that robs him of the opportunity to, to deliver on that promise, the same solution applies to both. And it's the solution that, that Jesus directed the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Listen to what he followed up his rebuke with. As he continues, uh, Luke continues in the next verse, verses 26, Jesus says, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Pause and consider that this is the God of all creation who breathed everything into existence, the author of Scripture itself, the one who brought these two disciples into existence, the one who has always been and always will be, and what is his go-to source for proving God's promises to these disciples? The Word of God. Scripture. It's Scripture that he unfolded to point out to these disciples how God hadn't taken some, some forgotten route and gotten lost in keeping his promises, but was delivering and making good on them just as he had promised and laid out in Scripture. And here's the blessing of Scripture. It takes us to a place where what we need, first and foremost, the first aid of forgiveness. Whether it's doubting because God is has taken a detour in delivering his promise, or it's our own disobedience. What we need in that word, first and foremost, is the assurance that because of the empty tomb, the Christ who, who died and rose again, our doubts, our lack of trust and, and faith in God's promises, and our own blatant disobedience to not do what he calls us to do, and, and thus therefore rob him uh, of the opportunities to make good on those promises, we go to his word and it reminds us we're forgiven for that. He hasn't turned away from us for our doubt and our disobedience. And so it's not a surprise that every time that, that we gather for worship, we have confession and absolution because again and again and again, uh, until we stop sinning, which isn't going to be this side of heaven, I need to be reminded that I'm forgiven. I need the assurance that my disobedience, my doubts, my lack of faith, God doesn't count those against me. Those sins have been paid for and washed away. So I go to Scripture first because that's where that salve of forgiveness is applied to my wounds. But there's another reason, as Jesus made clear as he unfolded the Scriptures, another reason we go to the Word of God. Because it's essentially a diary. It's a log of all of God's promises kept. Pay attention to the lessons that are a part of this worship video today. The first lesson, the second lesson, the gospel, aren't they all reminders as we look back in Scripture of how God has done nothing but, but made good on every promise that he has ever offered to his people? And we need to be reminded of that. We need to ponder that. We need to, to hear that. We need to meditate on the myriad promises God has made and always kept every last one of them. So scripture is so essential to our failure to cling to God's promises because first and foremost, it reminds us we're forgiven for that lack of faith. But secondly, it's a record of God's perfect record of keeping his promises. And there is no greater proof that God always keeps his promises than Easter Sunday, than the empty tomb. You want to talk about great twists or turns, great unexpected endings? 
See, it had appeared as if Good Friday was, was the closing and it was time to roll the credits and that was the end of the movie. But then the greatest twist ever, the unexpected, though it was prophesied, though Jesus himself predicted it, we in our frail understanding didn't see it coming and still today struggle to believe it. But Jesus rose, did not stay dead, left the tomb vacant, empty. There is never going to be a greater unexpected ending than the resurrection. Except maybe, maybe if it's rivaled by the other twist, which again is not so much a twist, but might feel like it when it actually does happen when Jesus returns on that last day. And until he does, let us cling to his word for the forgiveness every time that we fail to, to trust his promises or, or believe that he's keeping them. And for the track record, the reminders that God always makes good on his promises. Lord, help us see by your resurrection that you do keep your promises. Not just in the past and not just in the present, but let our lives be an ongoing record, a, a diary and a log of you continuing to keep one promise after another until you fulfill that final promise and return again to make all things new and take us to heaven. 